Gentle listener, would you like clear vision in 2024? I have just opened up registration to a group course of that name. We will begin in mid-January. Clear Vision is an eight-week group course designed to support you in examining how you would like to experience life in the future, building that vision, and then putting the actions in place to get there, while also clearing any limitations getting in the way. You will do this in the company of a small group of women who are also doing this work, and you'll be supported throughout by coaching from me. Clear vision is the ability to envision a future that is decoupled from conditioning and shoulds, that honours possibility, your values, your dreams and desires. Look for the link in the show notes. And now on to the show. The rules we grew up with were never meant for us. It's time for a change. Welcome to Becoming Wild. This podcast will support you in untethering from conditioning, examining limiting beliefs around womanhood and value, and tapping into your innate power. Because when women embody our truest, wildest selves, we change much more than our own lives. We change the world. I'm your host, Emma Wittard. Hello! Welcome to episode 14 of Becoming Wild. I'm your host, Emma Wittard, and I'm coming to you today from my home in Pasadena, California. This is the third of three episodes that are focused on boundaries. This episode, I'm talking with my friend, Megan Bursick, who is a ritual witch. We talk about boundaries around time and relationships. And a quick content warning, we talk about Christianity in the context of harm. So if this subject is triggering for you, you might want to skip this interview. Or not. Take what is useful for you and leave the rest. Today, I won't be answering a wild question. I'm very tired. My throat is a little sore and I'm short of energy, so I'm going to put a boundary in place and say no to more work. My health is more important, and I trust that you will get plenty out of Megan and my discussion. So, on to my guest. Megan Bursick is a ritual witch and experience creator. She helps people create transformative events and develop intentional rituals without it becoming just another thing on the to-do list. Megan weaves together two decades of event production with training in whole systems design, transformational coaching, and eco-feminist spirituality into immersive experiences that support people in contributing to collective liberation. In addition to identifying as a ritual witch, Megan is a facilitator, collaborator, mentor, potter, steward, and dancer who was raised in Portland, Oregon, and currently lives in Vancouver, BC. She is also a member of the Wild Woman community 
and a dear friend of mine. Megan Bursick, welcome to Becoming Wild. How are you mm-hmm. doing today? Oh, I am absolutely delighted to be in conversation with you, Emma. Thank you. Thank you. And I know you're not feeling 100%, so I really, really appreciate you doing this. And I hope you're sitting comfortably and have some nice tea with you. Mm, I've got the sun on me. I'm actually house sitting for my parents. So I'm looking out the windows with a different landscape. And my partner joked with me this morning. He's like, well, now you'll have a sultry voice. And I was like, okay, I'll take that. (laughs) (laughs) You do have a sultry voice. I love it. It's very podcast friendly. Mm, Yay. I know, first of all, that my listeners are going to be really curious about this term ritual witch. Mm. I know that the term witch can mean different things to different people. When you use the word, what does it mean to you? Mm, Yeah, great question. Because it does have multiple meanings for Mm. multiple people. And For me personally, a lot of my understanding, uh, defining relationship with the word witch comes from the teachings of Starhawk, who as a co-founder of the Reclaiming Tradition. And Mm. through Starhawk's writings and teachings, I've come to understand witch as not only someone who hugs trees and merges with the trees and and feels the energy of trees, but also understands the ecology of trees, the science of trees, and then also is a defender of the trees. So an opportunity to uh, integrate activism into our spiritual practice is an important element of being a witch for me. Uh, Being a witch is identifying and acknowledging the lineage of the witch. So acknowledging the hundreds of years of the burning times when people who were othered, they were persecuted. And so to align myself with the title of witch means to also acknowledge the injustice of the world and to be a disruptor of oppression. So. In addition, and it's also, you know, the fun pointy hats and, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, circling around the moon, but also there's some, there's some realness. I'm rubbing my hands together. There's some, there's some weight to be acknowledged with claiming the identity of which for me personally. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. Mm-hmm. How do you incorporate your witch identity into your work? I know that ritual which is part of your business identity as well mm-hmm. yeah so the I'll share the ritual side for me and you know I'm in my 40s now so at a point in my life where I'm doing a lot of reflecting and looking back and noticing the patterns and noticing the threads of my life And the term ritual really represents my practice. And that is a practice of connecting to the mystery, the magical, the the divine of the world. 
And ritual is very much a system for me, uh, you know, a beginning, middle, and end. I am one that likes patterns, that likes habits. And so, of course, my spiritual practice would also represent a, a system of sorts. Mm-hmm. And so this really started for me as a young girl I totally confusing my parents that I wanted to go to church with my grandma. And I think the part of that was loving to be in the presence of my grandma. But also, again, that reflecting back, I think about all the the ritual that was part of mm-hmm. going to this Episcopalian church, the sometimes standing, sometimes sitting, sometimes kneeling, the call and response, the singing, you know, all these different practices that, you know, even just thinking back, I just love it. And so, of course, you know, I have separated myself from the patriarchal teachings of the church, but that uh, ritual practice with spirituality, with the divine, with the mystical is very much part of who I am still today. So how does this show up in my work, you asked? (laughs) You know, really about that systems thinking again, the beginning, middle, and end, and the idea of intention and devotion Mm. and all that I do. You know, I'm, I'm doing something for a desired outcome. For me, that is what forms ritual. So in my work, I'm doing something for a desired outcome. I'm, I'm working intentionally. I'm integrating activism. I'm integrating my connection to animism and the world around us for the desired outcome of really big of collective liberation. <laughs> so yeah. that is how my identity of ritual witch shows up in my work as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's also where what we both do intersects in the, you know, my, my work is about liberating women as well, specifically women, but really everybody who is affected by the patriarchy. So I end up working even with a lot of uh, straight white men to free them from, from this system that we're all under. Yeah. And I've been lucky enough to be on the receiving end of both your coaching and group circles as well. So I understand how you use ritual to create a container for transformation and the work that that we do together. And it's really powerful. Thank you so much. Mm, That warms my heart. (laughs) So What I'd love you to do, as you know, this podcast is called Becoming Wild. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear a little bit about your, or a lot, about your world history, the story of you. Did you always know who you were right from childhood, or has there been a process to stepping into your full identity? Really, the Mm -hmm. story of you and how you got to be the wild woman you are today. Mm. <laughs> That's such a Plus question. A <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. It's a big one. Yeah. <sighs> well, I think in a in a sense I knew who I was because I loved being in nature. 
I loved climbing trees. Uh, I loved walking up the creek. I loved hiding in bushes. (laughs) So that theme, that thread definitely feels consistent through my entire life. I, you know, this identity of a witch definitely didn't come to my awareness till later. I, I sometimes lovingly get envious when I hear other witches' stories where they were creating potions and, you know, doing these fun things when they were young. And, and I don't know if I ever did that <laughs> per se, but yeah, my connection to nature has definitely been with me always. Mm. It wasn't until my late 20s did the term witch show up. And at that point, it was a kind of like a nice deep exhale, a mm. awareness, a feeling in my bones of like, oh, there it is. (laughs) Because I had been confused, you know, when I was younger, like I said, I um, found myself in the Episcopalian faith and asked to be baptized and then uh, found a youth group in high school that I became a part of and had amazing experiences with my teenage peers where we came together. And now I can look back and go, oh, we were creating a sacred container to have, you know, practice together. And then, you know, I was even thinking of like, I wanted to be like a pastor, like what? (laughs) Which was, I had kind of forgotten about that. I was like, oh, wow. Okay, that's interesting. (laughs) So this desire to be with the divine with other people, you know, definitely was um, when I was younger. And your unconscious high priestess coming through. <laughs> Something like that. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, right. Oh my. Yeah. And so in my like early 20s, I studied with a teacher of my mother's, actually, um, Jan Inglesmith. And she is a teacher. Uh, based out of Portland, Oregon, a teacher in core shamanism. And in those years, I discovered and learned about non-ordinary reality, uh, about altered states of consciousness. Um, And there was a lot of the teachings that didn't resonate with me at the time. And I do remember feeling really connected to altar building and Mm -hmm. also really connected to this one teaching about the sacredness of trees. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so moving from those years, then I went back to school to Prescott College, a experiential college in the deserts of Arizona. And I had a great opportunity to be in a class, uh, Wisdom's, what was, what was it called? Women's Wisdom in Nature uh, with mm. Chandra Liz Fowler. And our textbook was The Earth Path by Starhawk. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's when I learned about witch. And that's when I learned about intentionally circling uh, through the lens of ritual and witchcraft. I learned about Mm. aligning with the phases of the moon. 
I learned about the burning times and that that's the moment that I mentioned where I was like, oh, okay, all of these different paths I had taken in my life all make sense. My study in food systems and in ecology and being in devotion with other people. I was like, oh, okay, it's all kind of coming together. And when did you bring things together in terms of bringing your what perhaps was a private spiritual practice into your working life? Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. Being a witch for me definitely was solitary in the sense mm-hmm. where um, my practice I kept to myself. And in that first year, 2009, with uh, the amazing women in that class, Liz, my teacher, she was like, no, you need to, you're going to lead the weekend ritual. And I was like, what? (laughs) So that was my first opportunity of leading a, you know, witchy circle. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do that again until probably about 2014. So about five years later, I, you know, it's funny, actually, I don't even remember why, what motivated me, but I wanted women to gather around my table and at the fire and for us to share food and craft together. (laughs) So I started having gatherings in my house and they were lovely. And even in those first couple years, I definitely kept my facilitator ritual side of me um, hidden. I set the altar mm-hmm. before anyone came over. I maybe didn't even talk about the altar. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, you know, that happened for a couple of years, which was amazing. And I would say probably around 2018, 2019, I, the wonderful Megan Leatherman came mm-hmm. to one of my gatherings. And at the end, <laughs> I love her for this. She said to Megan, said to me, she's like, Megan, can I give you some some money for this? And I was like, wait, what? I was like, no, no, no. This is just my gift, my offering. But it, what it did is it kind of sparked something in my head where I was like, oh, people want to be on the receiving end of this. When I show up even more as myself, people want to be a part of this. And so that definitely was the motivator for me to come out of the broom closet, as we joke, saying, to mm-hmm. more fully integrate my ritual practice, my witch identity into all of the things that I do. And yeah. again, you know, through this lens of activism and disruption, how do I do it in an anti-capitalist value way while living Mm -hmm. in the capitalist society. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's the, so it's been what, how many years? COVID time, four years maybe about that I've been more intentionally being like, hey, I'm a ritual witch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And I remember I've known you since, I guess, early 
early 2019, I've seen that progression of sort of external and internal becoming more, or public and private becoming more integrated over that time. Mm-hmm. So what was the internal process of, you know, showing your insides on the outside, so to speak? <laughs> Were there doubts and fears or beliefs that you needed to get past in order to be able to do that? Definitely. And there still is to this day. <laughs> Especially, yeah. you know, as being a white-bodied woman in the world, you know, there's a lot of unraveling from colonialism of how do I show up as a spiritual partner, as a ritual facilitator in a way that is appreciative, not appropriative, and is fully aligned with my integrity and values. So that part is always, right, an ongoing process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really appreciate your integrity and your thoughtfulness about how to, I don't know, these are my words rather than yours, but how to do no harm in showing up. Mm-hmm. Whoops, I'm going to say that again. It, I see that it's a continuous evolution, I think, for all of us as we become more and more aware mm-hmm. of our inherent bias and the harm that really already exists in the world. How do we exactly, as you said, how do we operate in this patriarchal global system that we're in, in a way that is disruptive and yet we can still actually live (laughs) Mm -hmm. and move about the world. From the teachers in my world and those who admire um, modeling the 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 practice <laughs> right yeah. and and for me then the 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 reason why i still go through this practice of unraveling of the the uncomfortable work to to continue to identify as a ritual witch, to continue to facilitate ritual is because I want to honor my lineage. I want to mm. honor the teachings that I've received, the the people who have passed on their wisdom to me. That mm. is what makes me go forward, keep doing. <laughs> I. Mm. You know, you asked about, you know, what was that internal process? And um, I remember going to one of my teachers, Kelly Sunrose, and telling her about this struggle, like, oh, I'm I'm feeling like that, like I need to show up as a ritual witch, but I don't really know how to do this. And, you know, just that like, whoa. Mm. And I remember her telling me something that one of her teachers had said to her, don't hoard the teachings. Don't hoard mm-hmm. the teachings. And and for me, that was like, oh, okay. If I don't share what's been shared with me, then it's going to end with me. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, the, the mixture of my lived experience, like 
how else are we going to show up in integrity if we don't do it collectively, if we don't share with each other like, yeah, this worked or this didn't work or this is what I'm trying to do. And so if it just stops with me, like what what's the purpose then? Yeah, totally agree. The ripple effect is mm. is so important. And I love how much integrity you bring to naming your sources as well. I've learned a lot from you. I've learned so much from you about how to show up with integrity um, and, and naming your sources is one of the things that um, you do so well, mm. you know, one of the main things. How Thank about you. the safety factor of being out as a witch? D- did you have to get over a concern around that? How do you feel? Yeah, and I think that is an opportunity for me to acknowledge my honor privilege to be able mm. to show up as a witch. You know, I live, I was raised in Portland, Oregon. Like that's a pretty liberal space, <laughs> you know, live in the United States. The, so the term witch is more easily accessible or um, people are able to like to swallow that term, you know, and be okay with it. You know, there are mm-hmm. still places around the world where, that's not the case. It's um, still very much used as a derogatory term. And so, yes, just because I was born in a certain place, I've got this unearned privilege that allows me to move through the world, identifying myself as a witch. Yeah. And also, you know, I, I don't have like a, um, a quote, typical, business background. Like I was never in the corporate world. Like I've always been, I don't know, outside of the mainstream. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My work has been in West Coast, large scale music and art festivals. And so uh, being around creatives and the freaks and the geeks, like (laughs) like Mm -hmm. me identifying as a witch is like, okay, cool. Having my mini altar with me in the production office. Okay, cool. So um, that wasn't a hurdle for me. Um, And then again, you know, with my family, my mom and my bonus dad are who first taught me about meditation, about mysticism and magical practices out in the world. So again, I haven't had the challenge that I know a lot of people do with their family and their loved ones of having to raise it. Yeah, really like say it in a different sort of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a gift to be initiated into that way of seeing the world from childhood. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. So it gives me an opportunity to say, thank you, mom. Thank you, Don. <laughs> so you are an entrepreneur. You are a person in business. So how do you approach your business in an anti-patriarchal, anti-capitalist way? Mm -hmm. Such a good question. Yeah. So I'm definitely very been informed and influenced by the teachings of Kelly Deals and Mm -hmm. uh, Sarah Faith Godestiner and again, um, Kelly Sunrose, how they have modeled to me 
as they have modeled to me how to have anti-capitalist values in a capitalist system. And so Mm -hmm. those are things as in, you know, redistributing profits. So having donations. So all of my ritual work, I always have a portion that is redistributed. I'm sorry, I just got distracted because there is a flock of quail walking across the deck. (laughs) Wow, that's awesome. Oh my. Mm, Anti-capitalist values, right? (laughs) That So that is like things like not being extractive. So working with other collaborators and not just looking to get the best bang for the buck, but looking at true wages. And then also within myself, you know, oh, there's the dogs. They just noticed the quail. (laughs) (laughs) And not being extractive to myself. So in relationship to time how do i honor my time and this capitalist mentality is to go 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 nine to five four day hours a week and for me i'm not productive or effective or reliable if i try to keep hours like that so it's looking at like all the different little tweaks in our business, little choices that we're able to make that can, again, work towards our intention to have the desired outcome of collective liberation. And part of collective liberation, as you already mentioned, is about liberating ourselves as well from these BS systems that have told us we need to do something this way or that way. Awesome. I don't think anybody's effective if they follow the 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 traditional work week because it doesn't mm-hmm. leave you space to do anything else mm-hmm. um, a lot of my clients one of the first things we look at is how much they work and we try to bring it down to no more than five hours a day which is already that's still a lot you can get a lot done in five hours you know yeah definitely you know when we're it's that has been part of the process for me is to understand like what is what is work and mm. redefining that for me and at just that practice again and again i'm i'm always surprised every time one of these days i maybe won't be surprised that if i'm trying to get something done and i'm running into a, a hiccup a challenge and i'm just like trying you know curled over mm. my laptop like trying to make it work if I go outside and go for a walk and come back instantly I figured it out you know yeah. and yeah. so honoring that that going for a walk that taking a nap that pausing to do my laundry whatever it may be that is actually still part of my quote quote work day because I yeah. need that space I need that that opportunity to process to be creative um and that's like as i said it's still an ongoing practice (laughs) yeah me too naps are big for me (laughs) when particularly (laughs) when i'm a bit blocked i go and have a nap and it Mm. works so well 
I love hearing the dog howl in the background. Somehow it just seems, seems very appropriate. <laughs> uh, he pretends to be tough. <laughs> oh, cute. Okay. So as you know, this month on the podcast, we're talking about boundaries. Can you tell us about your relationship to your boundaries and how you approach them in your life today? Mm. Yeah, boundaries. (laughs) I've been thinking about this because, you know, you mentioned this is going to be our topic. and, Mm -hmm. And I was trying to remember when did that term even come into my mind and from my awareness. And I'm not actually really sure, but I know Mm. now, you know, I was thinking about this and I think where my relationship to boundaries shows up the most is actually part of what I was just speaking to is around time and around Mm. how I use my time, how I Mm, this word almost feels right, but protect my time. Mm -hmm. That is where I think I'm in the current practice of having a relationship to boundaries. Mm. Yeah. I'm trying to think now when I first heard the term or really became really aware of it, I think it was in our coach training in 2019 so I don't think it was actually before that Mm -hmm. Um, yeah but I have been I'm such an introvert I've always unconsciously had a certain amount of boundaries around alone time Mm. because I just get to the point where I can't just can't deal with being being with other people anymore Mm -hmm. so I have to Mm -hmm. take myself away yeah but I didn't know that was boundaries (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely I feel like I am going through an interesting experience with being around people in a different sort of way um and I'm sure I'm not alone in this after Mm -hmm. the lockdown Mm-hmm. And coming around people again, I've been in more online groups and meeting with people for virtual teas, and I'm realizing I don't have the same sort of capacity that I had before. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's been a little bit difficult because at one point I really love being around people and meeting people and talking with people. And I'm realizing, oh, wait, this capacity is changing. So this boundary needs to change. And so it's a little bit sticky and uncomfortable because it's like, well, I want it to be like it used to be, but mm, it's not serving me. So how do I go through this process of changing it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think what I realized during the pandemic was that I was a much deeper introvert than I realized. And for me, it wasn't that my capacity has changed. It's that I am far more aware and in tune with how I feel than I used to be. So I think I didn't notice it. I would be completely strung out and not notice it in the past. Mm. Whereas now, now I really notice quite subtle energetic changes. 
So, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely can't spend as much time around people as I, as I used to, but then I think I was kind of tolerating it. (laughs) I love people, but it's, I just can't do, I can't do a lot of, of other energy. I am so thankful you said that, Emma, that really helps me in this process because it it's helping me realize that you know it's true the what I've <laughs> heard from my friends that are um, further in years than I am they say you know I have a lot less fucks to give <laughs> the older I get and and I am thinking I'm realizing that my tolerance for who I spend my time with, is what's changing. (laughs) And so, you know, as I get more clear about who I want to be in my sphere, my world, my, who I want to be in relationship with is getting more perhaps concise. (laughs) I want our values to be aligned. I want to be with disruptors. I want to be with folks that are asking these hard questions and and doing the deep work. And so I think that's what it is. Yeah. So I think that's part of my uh my work to go and do after this. <laughs> yeah, and I think I I feel I feel 100% aligned with you on that. You know, my way of being has changed a lot in the last 5 years going from a corporate world which was really different into this much more inward facing um, and spiritual world. And I, I want to talk to people who want to talk about this stuff. This is what I love. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I've, I have had a, I've had a similar reckoning over these last few years about the people I, I want to spend my time with. And if I'm not going to spend a lot of time with, with people, then I want to be with people who, who see and understand me mm-hmm. as well as the other way around. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it comes against that, you know, the, you had asked about like the anti-patriarchal conditioning <laughs> or so the patriarchal conditioning. I, so I think mm-hmm. that's what then this boundary uh, or new newly identified boundary with you all <laughs> is that, you know, the, the patriarchal conditioning as a woman to be a people pleaser, to not offend, to play nice. And I used to think of that as, oh, I am, I'm fascinated by people. I enjoy hearing all sorts of different opinions. And, and that that is still true, but mm. I can still have choice over who I'm in relationship with and how much of my energy I give towards the relationship. So, um, yep, there's that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, this may, this may inform your answer to this last question. It may not, but we'll see. So my last question for you today is around wildness. The process of becoming wild, as I define it, is the process of shedding our social conditioning to become absolutely ourselves. Is there anywhere in your life that you would like to become wilder? 
Okay, I'm gonna pause and take a couple <laughs> deep breaths. Mm-hmm. Really sit with this question for a second. <laughs> yep, I feel it. It makes my palms get a little itchy and a little sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it's the the next curve of the spiral, the next layer of of un is it unraveling, detaching maybe mm-hmm. from what people think about me. Mm-hmm. So the um the next layer of not giving it fuck who I piss off. <laughs> you know, cause I can still feel the toe tipping around. Yeah. Well, mm, I mean, uh, you know, that sort of like energy yeah. and that's, yeah, that's a lot that like decision fatigue, like da 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 da. So what is the layer that I can, release, um, become more wild in the sense of becoming even more decisive and concise with my decisions as it relates to relationships. And I have a feeling there's some, it's around um, questioning, how am I upholding whiteness? (laughs) How does my desire to not offend be part of that conditioning of white supremacy. Yeah. So that that feels like my palms usually <laughs> guide me through. <laughs> that yeah. yeah, that's my I'm I'm probably in this practice right now, but just like really saying it out loud is what makes it real real for me. Yeah. Like, okay, this is my uh becoming wild practice right now. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing outwardly where that takes you. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely true. I mean, and for me as a as an English woman, I get an extra layer of enforced politeness. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and yeah, I mean, activism, I see what I do as gentle activism, but it's still activism. And you can't be an activist if you don't say what you think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah or even like act in the way demonstrate yeah yeah (laughs) demonstrate what we think and if Mm -hmm. if we're if we're concerned even on a subconscious level of offending or rocking the boat then it's difficult to do what we're here to do Mm-hmm. So I'm with you in this process. I mean, we're all in it together and it's an ongoing practice. It's a practice that will not end in my lifetime. And it's about seeing the different layers, the different curves to the spiral of, okay, how does this practice, this teaching, this unlearning, how does it show up now in my life? Yeah. How does it show now? Yeah. yeah. On and on. Now, thank you, Megan. Thank you so much for 
your candor and your wonderful wisdom. I really appreciate it. And I know that my listeners will too. So could you tell us the different ways that people can work with you and how they can find you? Mm, Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much, Emma, for inviting me into this conversation. And the three pups that you might have heard in the background was either Buster, Mabel, or Nisa. I think all of them barked at one point. (laughs) And the quail, too, that showed up. That was adorable. Yes. We didn't hear my dog for a change. Nova didn't come (laughs) pattering around the broom closet. So how I work with people today is pretty much in two different ways. Every, like I said, you know, being a ritual witch shows up in all the things that I do. So no matter what, and when we're in collaboration, I'm probably going to talk about the moon and talk about the seasons and bring in some wisdom and teachings from the trees. So no matter what, that's going to happen. And then the two different main ways for us to co-create and collaborate is either in creating transformative events. So I have a background in retreat creation and collaboration, large-scale festivals. So that really means I've been in all different sides and different roles within events. So I've got a pretty good understanding of what makes an event happen. And I also support people in creating intimate gatherings, um, starting their own circle. So I help people with like the vision and the strategy, the intention behind the creation of the event, and then also in the doing, in what does it actually cost to create an event? How do we actually do it? I'm there to help with the implementation and the management of events. And then the other side of my work and our opportunity to collaborate is in the development of personal practice, of what does it mean for you to have an intentional practice in your life? You know, I'm not here to say you need to do this, this, and this, and that's the only way. I'm there to support you in unearthing, rediscovering, reconnecting with your ritual, your personal practice in whatever way that's the most nourishing for you. Yeah. And having had experience of both elements of your work, I can say I every time I have a conversation with you, I I just get so much out of it. And you helped me figure out my first wild woman in person dinner recently was which was just wonderful so yes wonderful and I can highly highly recommend working with Megan so how can people find you obviously we'll put everything in the show notes but where are the best places to learn about your work and contact you yeah my website is really the best way to find me uh, meganbersick.com and you know my last name and first name too is spelled a little differently so you can also do systemsandceremony.com that comes to my website and that's a way to schedule a call with me connect with me and i also send out a newsletter called witchy wednesdays and that's a great way to kind of get 
to know me a little bit more, to get familiar with what I'm actually talking about when I'm talking about ritual. And that is something that I send out once a week, except on new moon week, because that is how I practice disrupting this idea that we need to go, go, go all the time. So nope, not on new moon week. So yeah, find me on my website, sign up for Witchy Wednesdays, or find me in Emma's community. I love being there with you and being in circle with you there, Emma. It's quite a pleasure. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, everything that Megan has talked about will be in the show notes, including the teachers that she's talked about as well, where they have an opportunity to get hold of them. Mm -hmm. So that's it for the show. Thank you to the wonderful, wild and witchy Megan for sharing her wisdom with us. Thank you, Megan. That's it for the show. Becoming Wild is a podcast written and produced by me, Emma Whittard. Special thanks go to Andrea Lida Wilborn, Sean Dennis, Jill Smolin, and Dean and De Silva. You can get more information about the show and other ways to experience my work at www.emmawittard.com. Please subscribe to Becoming Wild on your favorite podcast app and give us lots of lovely stars. It will make a huge difference to the discoverability of the show. If you'd like more direct coaching from me, please consider joining my Wild Woman community, where I post new content every few days and coach in the comments. And we have live coaching sessions every Friday. Or contact me to explore one-to-one coaching. If you have a question about what we covered today, or anything else you'd like some support over, you can email me at info at subject line wild questions. And I might just respond on the show. You'll be anonymous, of course. All of this information is in the show notes. Thank you for listening. You matter. What you do matters. And when a woman truly knows that, she changes the world. See you next time on Becoming Wild.